Good morning, church family, both online and on campus. And I know you're probably like me, still rejoicing over last Sunday. And that is like the highlight of a pastor's life is to have the opportunity to baptize new believers uh, that are receiving Christ as their, their have received Him as their Lord and Savior, and are now making that public declaration that I belong to Jesus and I'm giving my all to Him. It was such a wonderful time for so many reasons for me personally. And uh, it's, it is a, always an exciting time when we welcome people to come into the kingdom. We are uh, well into God Talks season. And uh, in fact, we're getting close, closer towards wrapping it up. After this, three more weeks. And uh, we have kind of dedicated those, those last three weeks to dealing with uh, the subject matter up here that Randy talked about a little bit, which was evangelism, which is something that's been on our heart this year, uh, big time that we would uh, all take part in personal evangelism for reaching those around us that God has placed in our life for Him and uh, tell them all the gospel to all the people. And so I'm excited about that little mini-series to close out with. Today we're going to be talking about uh, our personal growth and development, growing in Christ. How do we grow in Christ? Uh, We're looking at Acts chapter 2. And we're going to go down to verse 42 and read in just a moment. It is a good place for us to go. The early church, uh, as the birth of the early church, the beginning of church as you and I kind of know it today, uh, and to learn from them and to see what were the ingredients for growth and development as they, uh, you know, pressed forward towards becoming spiritually mature believers and walking in uh, their newfound faith in Christ Jesus. So it's a great place for us to start and to learn from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word as we look together today? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all, and the apostles performed many miracles, or miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word, and we ask God that you would help us to open our hearts and minds in these next moments to the powerful truths of what is necessary for us to move beyond where we are. First of all, to identify where we are geographically on on a a spiritual sense, not not just geographically in the physical sense where we're at, but spiritually, where, where are we in that geography? And how do we move forward from here? And we're going to be careful to give you the praise and the glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated today. I think that probably the kindest way we can describe uh, our planet 
and many of the people on it right now is broken. Broken is a word that I think best describes the planet and the people who live on it. And the Bible teaches us that we are broken because of sin. Sin has broken all of us. It has touched every single life. Uh, we were talking about uh, Pastor Mihai, or uh, uh, Jake was a moment ago, and I was standing in a, in a village uh, with him when he was, uh, you know, getting, giving the message uh, to this village. We were getting ready to do a church plant there in Romania, a small village. And the only other church there was a Greek Orthodox church. And uh, so the, the priest of that Greek Orthodox church was stirred up because another church was going to be planted. He felt like his church was enough. <laughs> and all the people who were out there in that, in that crowd were not going to church at all. Anybody know anyone like that? <laughs> and uh, so he was the only uh, you know, deal in town, and nobody, nobody in that group was going to his deal. And so he was opposed, and so he came up and took the microphone just before Mihai was able to grab the microphone to speak to the people publicly. And he began to talk about how that there is already a church here, there's no need for us to do another church, that everybody can just come to his church and everything's okay, and, and that's all he has to say. And then he puts the mic back, you know. He, of course, I had to get interpretation. I'm standing in the crowd. He's speaking in Romanian. And then uh, Pastor Mihai just simply comes up and grabs the phone and he says, uh, grabs the microphone and he says, um, how many of you here have had a problem with stealing? And some hands went up, you know, like this. Uh, how many of you uh, have, have cheated in your life and been unfaithful? And some hands went up, you know. And he says, how many of you in this group have told a lie? Every hand goes up, you know. <laughs> And so he went through this little litany of things, and uh, so the the uh, the priest he kind of leans over towards the mic and he goes, "I think it's okay. Then we probably need another church." <laughs> I think it's okay. I think we probably need many churches, uh, as close as we can get to every person's neighborhood. There is a brokenness in our world that is measurable. It's palpable in the hour in which you and I live. And this brokenness is not being redressed by society, by government, by politics, in any other way, because they have no answer for it. And man has sought to uh, come up with an answer for the brokenness. And, and so what man does is he, he uh, rather than reject the sin that has caused the brokenness, what man does, and we see it all the time, is he seeks to justify his sin, and, uh, and, and thereby has, we have developed this, this plethora of religions across the world where man is attempting to justify uh, his, his, his brokenness and, and, and measure up by doing some measure of good works. And we can balance the scales in some way. I've, yes, I have lied. Yes, I have cheated. Yes, I have stolen. Yes, I have hurt, hurt, hurt. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pile up on this end some good things that I will do, and that will measure everything out. Now, man is, has come across uh, in, in uh, many religions, and they, they kind of come out of, of uh, these classifications. There's what's called pantheism, and that just means everything is God. God is a tree, and God is, you know, God's everything. God's the birds, God's the air we breathe, God is just everything. 
And then there is atheism, which says, nothing is God, so I took his place. <laughs> uh, there's absolutely no God at all, why waste your time? And it leads to nihilism. And then we have agnosticism, which basically says, there may be a God, but you really can't know him, so don't waste your time trying to figure that out. Deism is another one that man has come across, and it basically in deism they believe that God exists, but he's not really active in the world. He's outside of the world, he's not really concerned with your day-to-day -day things, he has no concern about the large picture of what's going on in humanity, he's just disengaged. And then polytheism. Polytheism says there are many, many, many gods, and they're probably all leading us to the same place, but you know, you, your gods and my gods and all the gods, we can just all put them together. They are all gods, and they have different kinds of agendas, but probably ultimately are leading to the same kind of place for all of us. We use our worldviews to justify our sinful behaviors. We feel like the better that our arguments for justification of sin is, the wiser we are, we believe that ourselves, uh, the wiser ourselves are, the wiser we're going to be in terms of our day-to-day our -day understandings. And Paul countered this, this kind of belief with mankind, with this, this philosophy, if you will, of man, with these words out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. He said, only in Christ is whom is hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ alone. And that is precisely where our text opens up, right? It says all of the believers kind of had this basic understanding. They had come to the end of the road on all of the, their religious and spiritual pursuits and uh, trying to justify their own sins, and they had come to a dead end. And so they had opened to Christianity, and they had discovered in that that there was truth there. And so the text begins by saying all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. What were the apostles' teaching? All the believers opened up themselves to the apostles' teaching. The graveyard for spiritual growth is, hide, is the hiding place of justified sin. We, we bury spiritual growth and, and the, the, the opportunity to grow and develop spiritually when we are participating in justifying our own sins. It becomes the, the graveyard for all spiritual growth. I have seen it as a pastor over my lifetime that, that people uh, get somewhere where, where they come in conflict with the scriptures and their chosen uh, you know, way that they want to live, their, their chosen sin that they want to hide and harbor, and then they, they find a place for it and they, 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 they plant their flag there and then it becomes impossible for them to grow and develop any further until they deal with that. I've come to understand, and I hope you do too, that God never gives you a second word until you obey the first one. And so they, they find themselves just stuck. And over time, they will do what, the, what it says that, that happened uh, to the children of Israel. They will fall away. They will they will fall away from the Lord. They will fall away from, from church. They will fall away from, from pursuing any kind of spiritual growth in their life. And it all happens because they have anchored themselves in something that they refuse. They refuse to submit to God and ask Him to forgive them of. We are broken 
beyond human ability to repair. Our sin has broken us so completely, there is just nothing that man can do. There is no book you can read. There is no, there, you go to the self-help aisle all you want. You're going to wind up cyclically going around in a circle and coming right back to the place that you found yourself at the beginning because there is no hope for humanity without God. If you're unwilling to acknowledge the truth of what we're talking about this morning, then, then you will remain immature. You're going to remain unwise. You're going to remain ignorant. You're going to remain separated from God without hope, self-centered, lonely, addicted, a promise breaker. That is the pattern of life for those who don't understand only the truth of the gospel has the power to break the bondage of sin. I don't worry really about Christians who are doubting their faith. I don't worry about them who, you know, who are really digging in, they find something or they hear an argument, and they really begin to wonder, is, is this really true? Is that really true? Uh, can I really rely on God's word? I don't worry about Christians that are doing that, that are still open to you know, pursuing God, coming to church, asking the questions, trying to find the truth. I'm not really worried about those people. I'll tell you who I'm worried about. I'm worried about the church attendees who have built a harbor for their own personal sin, and they've justified it, and they've closed themselves to hearing anything that disagrees with their opinions and their justifications. Those are people who are in real danger. They're in real danger. The, I, I was, we put it up uh, not long ago, I think uh, when we were going through the, the time of our prayer and fasting, it was one of the exercises for you, and uh, Francis Chan was talking about, we're the generation who loves our opinions. We, we kind of yell them out as if we have some great wisdom that we have accumulated over the centuries of time. We haven't lived to be 100, but we have all kinds of wisdom. <laughs> the world's been around so much longer. And, uh, you know, we, we think we, we just, we've found something and we parrot the, you know, things that we agree with from other people. We put up there the little memes and, and their phrases and these are the people we follow and these are the people we believe and these are the people we trust. We value our opinions way too much. Yeah. And God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, and I just think that there would be a sense of, of humility in our, in our very approach to, to thinking about God and developing our own worldview in, in the sense that we can't even reproduce the very basics that are on the planet Earth. There's, there's none of us that can make anything out of nothing like God did. There's none of us that can reproduce a rose. There's none of us that can, can reproduce, uh, you know, dirt. <laughs> there's, there's none of us that can do any of that on our own without some kind of byproduct. You know, you climb up the elemental, uh, you know, chain and you, you look at the elements and, and you need the element below to get to the element above and, and the one above to get to the one below. And, and it's just, you know, there, there's none of us that can come, you know, and there's no uniqueness in us, no ability in us to, to be able to, to make or create these things that God has given us. And so you'd think there'd be a sense of humility in how we approach God and think about God, and yet we value our opinions and we think we really have something to say.
And it's, it's the picture in, in all throughout Scripture of man and his encounter with the real true God falling face forward. We talked about it last week in, in, the, in the book of uh, Revelations. We looked at worship and, and how that, that uh, they took all of their crowns and they cast them at the feet of Jesus. They, they bowed down immediately in the presence of the Lord. There was a sense of understanding that, man, I bring nothing to the table. I, I, I just, I'm glad I'm here, but I absolutely brought nothing to the table to offer of substance. And so as we take a look at the need for spiritual growth, there's a very real need in us to examine whether we are a candidate for spiritual growth. Are we harboring something secret in our lives? Have we staked down a place where we said, God, you can't advance here, you can't deal with it. Is there something that God has said to you that you said no, and that's been the end of it, and, and you're waiting for God to give you the next direction, and God says, obey the first one. And so there's a very real sense of like, before we look at these, these four principles for spiritual growth of the churches, have we really made our altar and surrendered our whole heart to God? Do we really belong to Him? Does He have everything that is us? Have all our hurts and our pains and all of our joys and our rejoicing, all of our skill sets, our gifts, all of our thoughts, does He have all of me? Do I belong to Him? And we can honestly say, yes, you know, I have surrendered, I'm giving everything to the Lord. Then these principles come into play that were taking place in the early church. And there are four of them, if you're taking notes this morning, that are essential for Christian growth. And the first one is reading your Bible daily. The Bible is, uh, you know, is, is essential for spiritual life. It is, for you and I, the mirror for our soul. The mirror for our soul. That we can look in it and we can see our true condition. We can measure. Give you an example. Out of uh, you know, Corinthians chapter 13, you know, the one we love to read at all, every wedding. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. It's a good place for us to go look and, and put our name there and go, Alan is... Pa-. Wait a minute. <laughs> I haven't been very, I, I don't see me there. Alan is kind. Well, sometimes. <laughs> Alan keeps no track of wrongs. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> the Word of God is for us a mirror for us. It is the wisdom of God that pierces the facade that we put up. One of the first times that Michelle and I had an opportunity, uh, actually, I think when we were first married, um, it was our second trip to California that we went to um, Universal Studios. And uh, we got the tour, you know. How many of you have been on the tour in Universal Studios, California? Okay. And you get to see the facades, you know. Uh, they they look great, you know. It's like all these. You go to this neighborhood and there's all these houses, and you think, man, that would be a cute house to live in. And and if you open the door, behind it is is just the hills and grass and weeds. Like there's nothing there, you know. There's no substance. And so what the Bible does for us is it kills the facade. 
We start thinking with great pride, look at me, you know, what I've accomplished. And then we, and God opens the door and says, there's all weeds and stuff in here. You know, this is a mess. The Bible, for us, it, it is the knowledge that feeds our spirit. It is our daily action plan. What am I supposed to do today, Lord? I want to read every day because God gives me an action plan for every single day. It is our call to repentance, salvation, and mission. It is a lamp unto our feet, it says in God's Word, and a light unto our path. The Word of God is not just letters on the page, but it is alive with the power to reveal our heart and change our decisions. That happens for me all the time. Every day when I pick up the Word of God and I'm, I'm reading it, it, it uh, the power of the Word of God coming to life off the pages and, and revealing to me, you know, uh, my own heart, changing my decisions, right? Challenging me. Man, I love to hear, I love to be on your side of things too, where I'm sitting and someone's speaking to me and preaching to me. I love it when we have guests here and I'm sitting there and listening because there's a new dynamic for me of hearing God's word for me personally too. I practice that throughout the week. I listen to other ministers and pastors preach and teach because I need the Word of God too. Preach to me. I need to be convicted of the way I'm living and the way I'm thinking and the way I'm walking. The Bible also, it says, you know, it clothes us with, with what we need, the clothes that we need for the daily battles that we face. You remember we went through the book of Ephesians and found out that we needed the helmet of salvation. We needed the breastplate of righteousness. We needed our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We needed the sword, which is the word of God. Loins girt about with truth. We, we, these are the clothes that I wear, the word of God, that help me go to battle day by day and fight it strategically the way God wants me to. By keeping it in my heart, then I ensure that, that, that I have a remedy for temptation. David talked about it in Psalms 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Lord, I hide your word in my heart, because it is the remedy to every temptation that comes along. I have something to say back to the enemy when he tempts me. I have your word to counter my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own ideas with. It is hidden in my heart. The Bible gives us the wisdom that we need to make daily decisions. If you cut it out of your life, you can be assured that you're going to make decisions that you're going to regret. That's one thing you can take to the bank. Cut God's Word completely out of your life. You're going to be making some decisions you're going to regret for a lifetime. The second thing that we see here that happened for the, the early church uh, for their spiritual growth, was it says, meet together with other believers regularly. It says that all believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. Now, the reason that we attend church and we gather with other believers regularly, out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, uh, for the teaching, for fellowship, for worship, for communion, for prayer, and to build up one another in the faith. When it comes to spiritual growth, then gathering together as a church is not optional for us. 
it's critical that we come together as a group and as a body to worship corporately together. It's in God's plan, and there's a lot of dynamics of what goes on when we come together uh, that we don't really fully understand at times, but God is working on us 360, right? Spiritual formation is going on. There's teaching that's taking place. There's people that we get along with and we love to see, and they're encouraging us and helping us. There's people that we may have a problem with, and, and God's working that rough edge off of us, you know, that we might be more loving and uh, more accepting. And there's, there's all kinds of dynamics to what is happening when we come together and we are worshiping God together. You see, if you don't go, you don't grow. And it's, it's crucial that we learn the, the, the importance of coming together. We, we severely underestimate the impact that's taking place in our lives on a, on a week-by-week basis when we are out in culture, out in the world, if you will, and, and, it's, it, and we're just steeped in things that are not true. We're steeped in things that, that, that are not godly. We're steeped in things that are counter to what God's culture is in the kingdom. And, it, and it's only when we come together, I think, that we really begin to recognize that and we start seeing that, you know, we, we are experiencing what kingdom life is all about. We're experiencing what it, what, it, what it really is supposed to be to live in the kingdom when we come together. People who love one another really authentically. People who, who care about one another. People who worship God authentically. And when we come together, we start seeing what kingdom life is really all about. When Michelle and I leave on, on vacation or we go out of town, we take a trip away and where it's going to be over the weekend and you know I'm always interested she's always interested in where are God's people hanging out you know not just the church like we love to go to to visit other churches and hang out but man I even like to go to coffee shops where Christians hang out you know I I like to be with God's people you know I get enough of of people who are not godly you know and and I really like to go find those people who are who are are looking to, 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 for a city whose builder and maker is God, as it said of Abraham. And they live differently, they look differently, they laugh differently, they walk differently, they talk differently. And I like hanging out with them because they encourage me and they lift my spirits. I love to be with the people of God. I enjoy evangelism, I enjoy going out and sharing with other people. But in time, you know, you, you, get, uh, you can get beat up, you can get discouraged, and I love to go find God's people. They lift me up, they encourage me, it's so great. The third thing that is necessary for your spiritual growth and development is to get involved in the mission. Get involved in the mission. It says here that they sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. That's another thing about kingdom people. We like to eat together. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> and it shows. <laughs> the story about the, the minister that uh, walked out of a quickie mart, you know, and he was busy, you know, kind of looking at his phone, and, and he didn't see, and he bumps into this, this lady, and she says, get that beer belly out of my way. And he's like, well, excuse me, ma'am. She says, uh, he says, I'm sorry. He said, but I'm a pastor. And she says, well, then get that chicken gut out of my way. <laughs> 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 I 
We like to eat and we like to hang out. We like to enjoy our time together in fellowship. But what we have here when we're looking at the early church is a picture of engagement in the mission. There's a purpose to this. It's not just about getting together and eating and stuff like that. There's a purpose to making this kind of trip. All of us, by nature, would like to stay home, right? And take care of our house. And uh, we're, we're always been big, you know, inviting people over. And, but there is, there is preparation for that, right? There's setup and there's cleanup. <laughs> you know, we've had a house full, you know, our whole life of people coming in that we've invited to, to have relationship with, to get to know the better, to help them get to know Jesus better. And, there, and it's a cost. There's a cost to it. This, this isn't just about, like, having a party every other weekend. There's a real cost to this. You know, uh, we, we are sometimes exhausted and tired after uh, one of these events to the point of, like, you know, uh, we're, we're heading for bed at, like, 7, 38 o'clock at night, you know, because we have, uh, we have put so much energy into pulling this off over a weekend or whatever, or inviting people. There's a cost to this, and it, it, is, it, it is all about the mission. We, want, we love people, and we want to see them know Jesus and live for Jesus. And the most important thing to the early church and the life of the early church was reaching all of the people with all of the gospel. And so they were doing this incredible thing of gathering and meeting, not only just for weekends, you know, for the worship service, but all during the week, going house to house, breaking bread, encouraging. There were disciplers who were meeting with disciples on a regular basis over coffee for us, right? Over for them, uh, you know, they were, they were meeting together and breaking bread and, and uh, having communion and sharing with one another and encouraging one another. How are you doing in the Word of God? You know, how are, you know what, can, I, can I answer any questions for you? And, and really helping one another in their walk with the Lord. It is the mission then for those, that early church, it was, it was them engaging in that mission. And it is the same mission for us today. So the question comes up then as we look at this as one of the points for spiritual growth and development. And the question comes, you know, how is doing mission related to spiritual growth? I'm glad you asked. The mission is where we put our learnings into practice. Practice reveals our learnings. When we engage in the mission, we sharpen our skills we grow at a more rapid rate. We engage, we sharpen our skills, we grow at an increasingly rapid rate. You want to grow really fast? Start teaching a Sunday school class. <laughs> Get engaged in the mission. Start volunteering, and you're going to grow faster. You know, I remember early in my walk with the Lord and, and uh, young people, I was doing, uh, you know, I was the youth pastor and young people would ask questions and, you know, I didn't have an answer for them. And I would just say, you know, I, I really don't know yet. I'm still learning too, but let me go ask the pastor. Let me figure this out and I'll come back and bring you an answer, you know. It's rapid growth. So I would sit down many nights with the pastor at my first uh, place of ministry and the pastor was my uncle and I was serving for free uh, at his church working as a youth pastor. 
And I would come over uh, many nights, you know, and sit down in his living room, and we would start going through scriptures together. Here's some of the questions I'm fielding with some of these kids. Help. <laughs> and, and he would start breaking open the Bible for me and, uh, you know, sharing with me and encouraging me. And growth was rapid in my life because I was serving. I was serving somewhere and growing quickly as a result of serving. The final step here, and uh, one that, that we may think is not as big, but it is so vital and so important, it says they prayed daily. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. And to prayer. I was thinking this week about this, and um, I, in fact, Michelle and I were kind of talking about it last night, and there, there is a, a point of what we're talking about in terms of prayer that we, we need to really redress in a serious way, um, and that would be like if we're struggling in prayer, what, what is the reason that we're struggling in prayer? And, and I want to submit to you that I believe that the primary motivation to start prayer in our lives, the primary motivation is, is because we love him. We, we want to pray because we love him. When Michelle and I started dating, uh, and we didn't have cell phones and things like that, I had a, I had a break, uh, my first break at, at work at 9.30, and I, what I... I knew what I had to do. I had to get to the break room and be the first one on the payphone. And I had to call Michelle. We, we, she wanted to talk. I wanted to talk on a, on a daily basis, two or three times a day. You know, we're communicating uh, by phone and then in person, you know, as soon as I could get cleaned up and get off work and, and find her, you know, we were together. And uh, we, we were in love, you know. And it's, and it's remained that way. We communicate with each other. We talk to each other because we love each other, right? And I think if there's a stigma to prayer, I think the first thing we have to examine is do we love God? Do we love Him? Have, have we developed a spiritual Santa Claus that we retreat to? We only go to Him when there's a crisis or there's, there's a need, there's something that's going on. And, uh, or, or do we honestly love Him? We talked about worship last week. We have so many reasons to love him. The lamb that was slain for us, who's, who alone is worthy to open that scroll and the seals uh, on that scroll and, 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 and bring about redemption and transformation for us. The one who went to the cross for our sins. The one who paid the price for every bad thought. The one who paid the price for every lie. Everything that we've done, where we've cheated, we've stolen. Everything that we've done that is reprehensible and we don't even want to think about it. We've erased it out of our memories and, and we hope that other people don't remember it either. And he paid the price for it. Do we love him? Do we really love him? Because I think that's the beginning of prayer in our lives, is, is if we really love him, we want to talk to him. And if your day is not sprinkled with talking to him, and I'm really not talking about, when I'm, when I'm beginning here in prayer, I'm not talking about you coming in, in, you know, in, to the church and you know, having an organized you know, prayer meeting here and you're down on your knees. I'm just talking about your day being sprinkled with prayer where you're talking to God all the time. Hey, I just want to reach out to you. And tell you I love you. I just want to reach out to you and tell you thank you for my life. 
Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the breath that's in my lungs. Thank you for my health. Thank you for all that you have done and all that you've accomplished in my life. Lord, I love you. I love you. We pray because, first of all, we love him. We pray because we depend on him for our very existence. I don't want to go across the street without Jesus, and I depend on him. I need him. We pray because we need help to resist temptation. We can't do it on our own, and, and we need his help. We pray because we need direction for decision-making. And you said, Lord, the steps of the righteous are commanded by the Lord. You see them, show me, lead me in them. I want to walk in obedience to you. We pray because people around us need God. And when we, when we are in his presence, he's always reminding us of this. You know, reminding us of, of those that are in need that he's placed around our lives that really what they need more than anything else is, is, is they need Jesus in their life. And their life will begin to course correct if they put him where he belongs, right first place in their life. We, we pray because God answers. It's a huge motivator for prayer. God answers. He doesn't always answer the way we want it to be, but he always gives us an answer, right? Sometimes that answer is, is be patient. Wait, there's something happening. Sometimes that answer is, no, this is not for you. Don't move forward in it. And sometimes the answer is, yes, I brought you here. Step in. Enjoy it. Rejoice in this moment. But he always answers prayer. And it's a huge motivator for us to pray again and again. We pray because we are at war daily with spiritual forces that are coming against us and those people that we love. And we can't do anything about it. As armed up as we get, helmet, a sword, you know, we are no match for the devil. We need God to come and intervene and we need his power to make a difference. And so that's why we pray. We're like, Lord, we're, we're here. We're standing firm, as you told us to, and we really need your help. We need uh, the ministering angels of heaven. We need your, your power through the Holy Spirit to do a work here that will drive the enemy out. We need you, God, desperately. As we enter the last stage of this, closing our application part, how do we put all this together? Reading our Bible for spiritual growth, meeting together regularly for fellowship and worship, getting involved in uh, mission, and praying every day. So I want to just do something along this line to move us forward in each one of these areas. So the first thing I want to do is find out who does not have a study Bible. There's a difference between having a Bible like I'm holding today. It's kind of a a reading Bible. It does have a few maps in it and a concordance. But a study Bible is one that, that is, uh, there's, there's a lot of, of uh, work that's been done there um, to, by biblical scholars to help us better understand the day and the time period. And, uh, you know, study Bibles can get a little pricey sometimes as we're looking into them because there's so much work in them to, uh, to help us better understand God's Word. So how many of you do not have a study Bible in your home of any kind? Okay. All right. Um, so I have not enough for everybody. 
<laughs> but I do have some. I want to give one away online, so I've already said, uh, and I want to restate, for those of you who are watching online, if you are um, online and, and watching and you want to send us your uh, email address, uh, not email address, but your, your name and your, your home address uh, to info at gp.church, uh, we're going to pick someone out of that group and, and give an online Bible to. Um, I, I want to give one of these away today to somebody who needs a study Bible. We just raise your hands again who, who are here that don't have a study Bible. So, wow, there's a lot of you guys that don't have a study Bible. Okay, uh, Hannah, come up and get the this, this study Bible. This is... Be for you and Josh, yeah. <laughs> this will help. Yeah. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. I have, uh, what, what do you have, three more in the back? Two more. Ooh, I have two, no, three. I have, I have one now. How many do I have? I have three. It seemed like they were disappearing as she was holding her fingers up. It started, you have, you have two, you have three, you have one. I say, um, I have three, and uh, so we're not trying to make any money. It costs us uh, forty dollars to get them here, and which is really a, a good deal. If you uh, want after the service, then uh, you know they're they're available back there at the connections table, and uh, we'll and Nate and some of the team will get you uh, taken care of there. If you don't have it today. And we can order more of those. So let us know. We'll take your name and we'll order some more. I want you to have a study Bible because I want this. I want our church to be a, a church who who knows God's word, understands God's word, and reads God's word. All right, Amen. All right, let's take care of the second one. We're here, so we're meeting regularly for worship and fellowship. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just say, "See you next Sunday." <laughs> Man, I love it when you guys come, when you meet online, when you meet here on campus, there's nothing like it. I love to hear you sing and worship. Man, my heart is just so lifted as a, as a pastor. I'm up here and I hear your voices singing out and I hear you every once in a while going, woo, you know, and, and well, all the stuff you do and, and it just, it does my heart good to know that we're together as a family and we're here. We need each other. All right, the, the third one here we have to deal with is getting involved in mission. Now, Michelle, would you mind... Uh, coming up here, and so you can help me also be uh, eyes for what's going on here. We need to find out, uh, you, can, you don't have to come up on the stage, but we just need to find out how many of you people are not serving yet in some capacity in the church. Who's not serving? Who's not engaged in mission? Okay, so we got one back there. You got two, three, all right, four, we got, okay. All right, some of you, we already have our we already secretly have your on a list. So anybody anybody else? Okay, so we want you to meet us at the at the connections table if if you're not yet engaged in mission. Uh, this is a huge way to grow and develop is to get involved in serving, serving and in mission uh, for the Lord. There's um, I'll tell you, man, even like uh, we Josh and I have had a conversation. He's going to start helping us, uh, you know, head up uh, ushers. And uh, him and I are going to work together, so we're going to look for some more ushers. 
guys who have skills to, to do things that can help us out. It's not just about receiving offering, but, you know, we're replacing light bulbs that are burnt out and fixing plumbing and, you know, various kinds of things that are going on around the property and mowing, man. This is like acres of mowing, and Josh has been out here and done this. And it's, it really is like, spiritually speaking, just getting on that lawnmower and driving around the property, it, it really is great. I've done it several times, and I enjoy it. It's, it's a blast. Like, it's, it's, it's one of the areas in your life, if you have jobs that, you know, you walk away from and just never know really what's happened, and there's a big pile when you come back again. You know, it's constantly, you don't see things getting accomplished. Come out and mow the lawn, and it's such a great thing. You walk away, wow, that looks really good now, you know? <laughs> and you just walk away with a sense of feeling. But being out in nature, too, uh, and seeing what God has given and what God has created, it's just, it's just an awesome thing. Get involved in mission. We want to get you guys uh, involved in that, okay? Uh, the last one, then, is uh, that we would pray every day. We will pray every day. And I want to read to you uh, a prayer. Now, when we were going through the, the, the book of Ephesians, uh, we read this, and it was a prayer by Paul uh, for the church, and, and it is, uh, I think, the heart of every spiritual leader, the prayer for, for the people that they serve. And I want to read it to you. It's out of uh, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. When I think of all this, I fall down, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you from inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great for you to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. Amen.